Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm grateful that you're joining me today. I want to share an interview with you that I did live on LinkedIn with my friend Kay Fabella, who is a Filipina-American living in Madrid, Spain, and who is a DNI expert. She has done a lot of work with organizations on the topic, and she hosts a podcast called the Inclusion in Progress podcast, where she interviews all kinds of leaders out there in the DNI space. And I wanted to get her on to check in with her, not only on the state of DNI and where things are out there in the global economy, but also uh, how people are responding and working remotely during this time of coronavirus and how can organizations best support their people during this time and how can uh, workers, employees speak up and make sure they're staying in touch, still being heard and seen and adapt to these times. So it's a short and great conversation and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you today. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Kim. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Hey, Fabella. I am live with Kay Favela, who's joining me from Madrid, Spain. Kay, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I ate dinner early for you. 
Oh, that's <laughs> nice. What time is it over there in Madrid? It is 10.02 p.m. So 10 p.m., 4 p.m. here on the East Coast, and you ate dinner early. So nice. Okay, I'm excited to talk to you. We connected through our mutual friend and mentor, Jessica Lorimore, and it's been fun getting to know you. We met in person in London back when people were allowed to meet in person. <laughs> and allowed to get on planes and travel. Well, remember those days? <laughs> exactly. I remember those times, like they were just a couple of weeks ago. A lot has changed since then. But I'm excited to have you on because I know you do a lot of work in the DNI space. You host a podcast, Inclusion in Progress, and you do a lot of work with different companies, different professionals, leaders. And I think there's a lot to talk about here. But before we get into any of it, let's just start with a little bit of an introduction of who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, sounds great. Well, I'm excited to be here. I've been tuning into the show and obviously I'm a fan of your podcast. So it's like, whoa, I'm with Andy. This is cool. <laughs> I'm with Andy. That should be like a t-shirt. Or <laughs> I'm with Andy. Um, <laughs> so my name is Kate Fabella. I am a DNI consultant and strategist. So I'm originally from California. My parents are from the Philippines and immigration seems to run in the family because now I'm here in Madrid, Spain, where I've called home for 10 years. And as you said, I work with inclusion-driven organizations to create cultures where diverse talent can stay and grow and thrive. And my diversity story is that I'm a second-generation Filipino-American who has been in Spain living my Spanglish life since 2010, so going on 10 years now. I came to Spain to learn Spanish, and because the wine admittedly is much more affordable than my, my home state of California... <laughs> where I'm from. And I met my now husband my first year. And now I've delivered solutions for companies across over 17 industries. And I've seen firsthand the benefits of organizations that really make an effort to make sure everyone feels like they're valued, respected and heard, which is something that I know that you're passionate about too. Absolutely. 100%. We share that. Before we get into the organizational stuff, thinking about DEI from a personal standpoint, cultural standpoint, you have this very unique story and background being, like you said, Filipino-American growing up in California, living in Spain. Some of my perspective of a lot of cities in Europe is that unlike in the U.S., it's a lot harder to break into the culture sometimes and make friends when you're a bit of an outsider. Without throwing any countries under the bus, have you found that to be true? I know. I would lose clients if I did that. That's not cool. Um, <laughs> putting me on the spot at 10 o'clock, Andy. No, I'm kidding. Right, um right. No, honestly, I think that I've been really lucky. I think that especially a place like Spain, one of the reasons I think I've stayed as long as I have, aside from my Spanish husband, which is another big reason why I'm here, I relied with the wine and I didn't get like, oh, also I have a partner, um, <laughs> is honestly because I think especially being Filipino, I think we kind of are like the Latinos of Asia and we're very family oriented, we're very warm. And there's so much of that that I was, at least in Spain, I've been really lucky. I've made a massive effort to learn the language, one of the main reasons I came here in the first place. And I think that I've only had really positive experiences. That being said, I didn't realize that for a country like Spain that's been under dictatorship for 50 years, that because immigration is so new, anyone who looks at my face apparently thinks I'm Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, sure, okay. Um, that wasn't really too much of an issue until really recently <laughs> because uh, of everything happening with the virus right now and there's just stuff happening. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Go right. It, it came yeah. from China, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that say, oh, I want nothing to do with Chinese people or Chinese food or anything. I often wonder, like, does that have an impact? 
It does. I think, I mean, I am really heartbroken to hear about stuff happening in the States. My sister is based in San Francisco and that's a famously progressive city. And like, she has friends who are Asian looking right now who are just really dealing with stuff. But I think Mm. without, again, throwing anyone under the bus, I think it's really important to remember that at least from my perspective, as somebody who has been on the receiving end of bias and call it xenophobia, I don't really like throwing isms at things, but I think it just adds an extra layer to lived experience for anyone who is in DNI because you're then able to understand. It's almost like when I talk to other minorities or other minority leaders, I can skip to chapter 27 because you just Mm -hmm. have similar lived experiences that just make the conversations that much richer and that much deeper and allow you to really like tap into their stories much more, I think. I'm curious about that. You talk about it's an easier connection talking with other minorities, underrepresented groups, if you will, saying we must have a shared story, even though everyone's story, everyone's journey is unique, right? Is different. But what you're saying is like, we've probably come through some of the same challenges and can relate to each other a little bit more. Yes, definitely. I think that there, especially for underrepresented groups, and I mean, I think the thing that I'm learning about DNI, even as somebody who has a lived diversity story, is that there's so much to learn. I think you're the same. Like we realize that we don't have to have all the vocabulary per se, but I think it is really important to remember that everybody's story is their lived experience. And then depending on whether it's systemic oppression or racism, or the fact that even within people like the group of BIPOC, people of color like myself, there are certain people who pass as white and what are their lived experiences they've had versus somebody who is, for lack of a better term, darker on the, on the color spectrum. I think there's so much to understand that within DNI, you have to have conversations from a place of I can't generalize for anyone. No group is a monolith. And the sooner that we understand that the whole point is to create spaces where everybody can show up as their full selves instead of treating people as like, oh, you belong in this group and you belong in this box. And therefore you have this whole lived experience. We're robbing individuals of the opportunity to add to the conversation in a way that's truly inclusive. Yeah, that's very true. And everybody does have their own journey, their own story. And I talk about all the time, we need people treat people as humans and individuals. Before we get into what's going on with coronavirus and people working remotely and that sort of thing, I want to take a step back because you run this podcast. And much like I talk to a lot of people on the broad topic of talent development, you talk to a lot of people in the DNI space. What's kind of the state of DNI today when the global economy, you know, or at least in the Western economy, before we came into this global pandemic? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's been really interesting. I had the good fortune, like you said, of having people on my podcast, Inclusion in Progress, because for me, the whole point of really trying to create spaces for other minority leaders who are looking for these resources was to tap into the different experiences from other people in the DEI space, because everybody brings so much to the table. And it really is, and I've been truly pleasantly surprised by how willing and collaborative everyone in the space is to approach everything with an all hands on deck mentality. Because if one person is feels like they're excluded or unequal than all of us do. So I will say that I've been lucky to have and connect with so many awesome people. But with that said, everybody is understandably very nervous right now. I think there is a lot of worry that, for example, in DEI, it's considered a discretionary budget for some companies when it really shouldn't be. If anything, now is the time to really be taking care of your people. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean the same problems about exclusion or who didn't feel like they belong who has more or less privilege goes away. If anything, you have to double down on that. And I think that there's also this nervousness about do we continue with business as usual in terms of our regularly scheduled programming for ERGs that May is APIA month, so Asian Pacific Islander Awareness Month, June is Pride. What are we doing for those months to still continue to bring awareness to these groups, which are still valid and valuable conversations that should be ongoing, but how do we adjust it to the new reality that we're living in? 
So I think those are the two kind of main things that I've heard from speaking to other people in the space and really just how do you continue to bring the priorities of your conversation forward around DNI to the company and do it in what's admittedly a much more decentralized way now because people are scattered. I mean, we're sheltering in place or I think yep. sheltering in place. I've heard sheltering in place. I've heard quarantine. I've heard lockdown. I think that's one of those terms that's been rebranded like five different times in the last yes. two weeks. M- much like <laughs> everything in the DNI space. And- yes. <laughs> climate change and all these things. Ever like, oh, I don't like dialogue. this term anymore. We've got to change it. <laughs> yeah. um, Language oh, is super home. important. Yeah. <laughs> staying at home. Staying I'll at just home. Call it staying at home. Yes. Not going to the office anymore. Well, you talked about visibility and not being seen. And I want to get to that. But I want to come back to something too. And by the way, for anybody joining us live on LinkedIn, be sure to drop a comment in the chat of where you're joining from and let us know if you have any questions. Going back to this bit about inclusion, this is something that you've been looking at for a long time. And I always caveat any comments I make, they are coming from a white man in a privileged world. You know, in running this podcast and talking to a lot of people in talent development two years ago and before that, most of the conversation was about diversity and bringing in different, the right numbers. We need to get more women, more people of color into the workforce, whatever that may be. And there wasn't as much conversation about inclusion. Whereas now today, I feel like I'm hearing a lot more about the importance of inclusion, psychological safety, making sure people are able to bring their whole selves to work. It's really refreshing and cool to see that. I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing. Absolutely. I think people realize that diversity was just a new metric, like let's make the company bio photo look pretty when we have all the team together, (laughs) which is obviously just superficial and not lasting. And as you and I both know, when it comes to culture and companies, inclusion is really the goal. And I think that I'm really refreshed to hear that so many people and so many companies are prioritizing it. I know another word that's thrown around a lot right now is belonging. How do you Mm -hmm. cultivate belonging for people so that they feel that ultimately it's the companies, it's a win-win for the company, right? Because if companies say that they want to be industry leaders, they rely on innovation and innovation relies on teams creating together. And if for a team to create together and create to its best capacity, every individual, regardless of race, gender, age, background, religion, ability, all feels that they can safely contribute to having their voice be heard and have their ideas heard. And innovation at companies relies on diverse and balanced teams. So I think that was the connection. I mean, there's, I don't need to bore you guys with, you've seen every Harvard Business Review study, you've seen every Deloitte study, you've seen every, you know, McKinsey study. There's so much data out there right now in terms of the business case for inclusion. So it's really refreshing to see. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. 
companies really pay attention to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the idea of innovation. I don't know if you call it passionate or most obsessed with this topic, but I've studied innovation for a few years now. And so many companies think that they just create an innovation department and then innovation is going to come from that. But it really has to come from the culture. And it's going to be hard to get innovation unless you create this culture of psychological safety, of belonging, of safety, where people feel like they can make mistakes, they can try things, they can speak their opinion share ideas without feeling like they're going to be ignored or they're going to be even punished if something doesn't go their way or they're saying something that doesn't align with the traditional culture. Exactly. Yeah. And I think this idea, another outdated term, which I'm very glad to see get thrown out the window is this idea of culture fit. (laughs) I think, yeah. yeah, that's a big one right now. I think that it's something that a lot of people from DEI are fighting against because like, if you're trying to standardize a culture across the company, that by its very nature means that it's not inclusive. This idea that you have to check in part of who you are at the door to be able to fit into what the culture is, is that's imposed on you is detrimental to the company for the reasons that I just shared, but also for you as an individual to not speak up when you are on the receiving end of discrimination or bias, to not share your story or speak up in a meeting because you're afraid that whatever consequence will be unfairly put upon you because of whatever reason it happens to be. So yeah, I think that I'm really glad to see that go out the window as well. Hopefully that's one that sticks through this time and beyond. (laughs) Yeah, that will take a while, but I think it's moving fast. You know, last year, I think I heard about it at a conference, this idea of culture addition versus culture fit. And then I had the pleasure of interviewing Claude Silver, who is the chief heart officer at VaynerMedia. On the, I love the that talk. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. Such a phenomenal human being. And in that interview, we talked a lot about the importance of culture addition and not culture fit, right? You're not trying to fit to a certain type of culture or structure. We want to find people that can add to this, that can bring value, which is really cool. So you mentioned earlier, you know, how things are changing, certainly coronavirus dominating the news. So we don't get to necessarily celebrate the different diversity groups that might have weeks or months associated with them and different things that could be going on. We also have the big challenge that everybody's working remotely now. And you mentioned the challenge of maybe not being seen. And there are some, by definition, underrepresented group, underrepresented groups, right? Minorities where people felt like they weren't necessarily even being seen before. And now they're not in the office, there's a risk they won't be seen at all. So how do we overcome this challenge and make sure that we're including everybody still? Yeah, absolutely. I think DEI, HR, people, whatever it looks like in your company, if you have all of those teams, fantastic. That's great. Make sure it's all hands on deck right now. I think that If anything, what I've been finding is ERG leadership has been really critical in this transition because you already are tapping into the individual needs of your community and giving spaces where they've been allowed to feel safe or you have like a proactive, almost like mini communication in the company within the company that you go to for information. So I think that on the one hand, you have to look to what are each of those individual groups that feel underrepresented in the company saying that they need right now and really tap into your ERG leadership if you have that, or just be really proactive in terms of creating forums or spaces where people can actually participate. I think there's, on the one hand, I think it's a really detrimental situation for obvious reasons what's happening. But on the other hand, I've seen so many more creative uses of technology within companies to continue to build and cultivate culture, which really gives me hope for not just what will happen through this, but after what's going to happen. So how are you creating opportunities for people that say, for example, are primary caregivers in their household? 
you know, that's one ERG that I know is starting to, if it wasn't already active or if it wasn't something that people thought of, it's definitely something people think of now. You know, I know, for example, like Latinx cultures or cultures where, you know, you're likely to have not just people who are caring for their children, but also caring for elderly relatives in the same household. That's going to affect your productivity. You have people who are single parents. You have people who are dealing with younger kids or people who are differently abled. And actually, for some people who are differently abled, it means it's a dream. Like you don't have to worry about like the actual physically getting to work. Like how are you reaching out to each of those yeah, it's not individuals? Even a, it's not even a consideration. Everybody's working from home. Exactly, exactly. And so again, I think it's really looking at what your DNI initiatives already were seeing if possible, if there's a representative or a leader or somebody who can be your sort of central contact point for that group, for them to then tap into all the different people within their respective underrepresented group, then relay that information back to you in terms of what they need. Because caregivers are going to have a certain set of needs. Introverts, I know we were speaking about this earlier today, like introverts are going to have a certain set of needs, like maybe even setting up like a group lunch thread so that they can like FaceTime with colleagues so they don't completely isolate themselves and turn into, you know, like pre-quarantine zombies, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) essentially talking to people, for example, especially from communities where they have to, like even thinking in terms of people who are the considered essential workers on the ground, they're still part of the company and how are you taking care of them? So really making an intentional proactive effort, I think on the part of leaders to really communicate to each of the groups that were already struggling to be heard. And on the part of individuals who really it's up to you how to not just share your story if you weren't already sharing it to begin with, but being over communicative in terms of what you need because companies won't know how to serve you best, especially when they're trying to juggle a bunch of different things at once, given that we're all trying to navigate this new normal and react or be proactive as best as possible with what's in front of us. So I think it goes both ways. Like it's the dual responsibility thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is on both sides. And organizations, I think, are from the organizations I've been talking to and looking at reacting really well and getting that communication going and making sure that everybody's in touch and knows what they need to be doing and giving people the technology they need. On the individual side, you're right. I mean, especially for introverts, there's a risk of just kind of disappearing. And I had our mutual friend, Gemma Stowe, on the show the other day. And we were talking about she works with introverted women and talking about the kind of the tendency or risk of them just saying like, oh, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. I'll just disappear and hide. But then how that's going to hurt their careers. For a lot of people, this may seem like a great thing. They don't have to go into the office for extroverts like me. We're like in torture. I've seen so many memes for introverts and extroverts comparing themselves right now. It's so funny, but I've been working for home for five years. I'm I'm really used to this and I'm on video calls talking to amazing people like you all the time. But what should be people be thinking about to make sure that they're still represented in the workplace, they're still communicating, that they're still going to be on a good standing and well positioned when things do get back to normal? Absolutely. I think that if anything, I mentioned ERG leadership because it's already something that's structurally ingrained within the company. And I think it's really important for people to remember right now as individuals, if you're listening to this, regardless of where you are on the sort of cultural or corporate hierarchy, you just have to make sure that you're checking in on yourself every day first because what we're going through right now is collective trauma. It's true. And as long as you know that you're okay, then also making sure that you are checking in on your people, the people that depend on you. And if you have it in you, if it isn't an additional burden, if it isn't something that is going to add to potential anxiety or burnout or whatever it is that we're going to go through, because we're going to go through emotions. I feel 15 emotions a day on week, month, 
four of quarantine, (laughs) right? So I think it's really trying to be proactive. I think there's so many opportunities for leadership right now that don't necessarily have to come from specifically designated roles. And I think that's a really great opportunity for people who maybe you've had to work harder before to get some FaceTime in with a manager who was in and out for travel or whatever it happened to be. And now you have the opportunity because you know where to find them to reach out and say, how can I be of service to you? How can I step up? How can I contribute in a way that's actually going to help you at this time? And I think at this point, because there is no handbook, there is no pandemic playbook for this that's just going to fall from the heavens and tell us, here's what to do. Anything in terms of if you're looking to move your career forward, and if you're not, if you've been fighting to be seen, or if you are traditionally overlooked for whatever the reason happens to be, you can be proactive in your communication. I mean, as an introvert who's also practicing working from home, people always ask me all the time, like, wow, you're like putting out content all the time. You're on LinkedIn all the time. I see you like, when do you sleep? I'm like, I do. I do a lot. I sleep a lot, but I batch everything. I base it off of when I have energy. And then I serve from a place of when I'm at my best. And then I go and retreat into my little introvert hole with my cats and my husband and maybe some Netflix and a good book. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to for you. Like, if you have enough self awareness to one, make sure that you're mentally okay, emotionally okay, psychologically okay, that no one that you know in your immediate vicinity is unwell. And then speaking to a manager or somebody who you see is overwhelmed, whether it's a teammate or a colleague or someone further up the chain than you or ERG leader, and ask, how can I be of service to you right now? That's a really great proactive way for you to step up at this moment in time. That could increase not just your visibility, but you're also your trajectory at the company in a way that maybe you would have had otherwise in going to the office every day. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, great advice and insights there and things for people to think about. We've got to wrap things up here in a minute, Kay. I'm thinking about people that are, whether working remotely or not, which we all are now, want to improve the diversity and inclusion and equity in their company culture. It may not be that great right now. I mean, you and I are lucky that we get to talk to people from organizations that are very progressive and have done the work, but there are a lot of organizations out there that haven't done much. So for people in those types of companies that want to start to make a change, what are a couple of things they can do? What advice would you give? Absolutely. I would say, I mean, if you haven't been considering a remote work policy, now's the time. (laughs) Flexible working is something that I think is often overlooked, even amongst the most progressive companies around diversity and inclusion. And it really is the great equalizer for opportunity, for access to talent, for growth. And I think that really sitting down and making sure whether it's obviously we would love this to not be in a situation where we're reacting, but rather proactive. But since we're in it, take notes, go like be really proactive with your HR, your legal, your finance teams, everybody who is this is going to influence is on board to make sure that everyone can safely securely work from home when necessary, not just now, but moving forward, thinking of what are the different virtual communication protocols that you can put in place for this time to make sure that the tools, technology and techniques that you have in place are keeping everyone engaged no matter what, because I don't know about you, Andy, but I'm one of the conversations I'm having often with companies is like, I'm worried about what's going to happen after this when I tell people that they have to go back to the office and they don't want to. So what are we going to do to make sure that we continue to connect with them even beyond this? And finally, really working with DEI, I know that maybe for whatever reason, it's at different stages at different places in the company, but really leaning on them because I think there's so much that they can bring to the table because they already have access to ERG leadership, 
They know who are the people are that are underrepresented in the company. They know who the people are that are struggling to be seen. They know the different levels of privilege and bias that people are facing at a hundredth scale now. So really working with them and working alongside them to make sure that your people are really taken care of. And this is another thing that's come up in conversations. We're thinking not just for now, but also the future of work and who's going to be coming into the company. I'm just imagining 2021 or 2022, a couple of years from now, Generation Z is going to enter the workforce in full force. And they're going to ask as one of the questions on their interviews, how did you take care of your people during the coronavirus crisis? Mm. And I think that's something that companies should really consider. It's not just, you know, reacting to what's in front of you, but being proactive for the future of this is a really unique opportunity to reinvent your culture from the ground up, not for just for now, but for the future. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. And your company's not just innovation, but survival will depend on it. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that question will come up. How did you handle this? And what is your work remotely policy? And by the way, my friend, Jimmy Rose, who works in talent development, people and culture VP commented on here. And we had a conversation earlier this week about re-entry and will people even want to go back to work? And will they have to? Will they be able to? And what will happen if schools are still closed, but companies are saying you need to come back to work, but kids are at home? There's a lot of questions out there, but first, I think we just have to get through this and make sure people are healthy and safe. And it's we get to a point where it's safe to go back to work, then we can address all those things. Okay, we've got to wrap things up. This has been fantastic. For anybody who wants to get in touch with you, I tagged you in this LinkedIn. We're on LinkedIn Live. I tagged you in that post. People can find you on LinkedIn if they're listening to the audio, but they want to get in touch with you. Where should they go? How can they follow you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be here. And thank you for having this conversation. I think it's super important. And they can find me on kfabella.com. That's where I'm talking about all the stuff that I'm up to, as well as on my podcast, Inclusion in Progress, which is available everywhere podcasts are. It's a great podcast. I love all the content and the guests and the topics you're covering on there, as well as your posts on LinkedIn and the stuff that are out there. So if you're interested at all in the DNI space and you're not following Kay, make sure you go connect with her and follow her. And of course, make sure you connect and follow me and jump on these LinkedIn lives when we do these on a regular basis. Kay, this has been awesome. Thank you again for joining me on the show. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.